Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into the latest edition of the Pump Fake. Jared Bailey with you as always, joined by my long lost friend who I haven't talked to in a while on here, Ben Raven, covering the Detroit Lions for M Live, the division winning Detroit <laughs> Lions. First time winning the NFC North, first time winning a division of any kind since 1993. I was not alive yet. How old were you? I was, uh, Let's see here. I was about four, four and a half years old. So I was about okay. to start kindergarten. Yep. Yep. I was an eight, late 88 baby. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was a 98 baby. So was, <laughs> b- before me. Um, but, but uh, you know, we, we talk about how, how it's been for the players of this. Um, but for you, I mean, you and I have known each other for a long while now. Uh, you've covered this team, what, seven years now? Six years? This is year five right now, so five years. Yep, yep. Compare this year to year one on the job. (laughs) Compare it to year one, man. It's like uh, if you ever – like I wanted this job so bad. It's like my dream job, and you get it. And the job's great. The people on the beat are great. But, like, the football was dog shit, and the head coach didn't care about your – life as like a reporter or like your job at all so it was very combative and it was very confusing and i kind of like got taught like is this the norm like i started in the matt patricia years like in the dark times like year two of matt patricia so Mm -hmm. like the shine had worn off and it was just um i didn't know and i'm not even talking about the on-field success i didn't know that i could have a relationship that i do with the coaches and the players that i do now that like I was like, is it always just going to be so combative? Am I always going to be the enemy? Is everyone going to hate talking to me? And it's just like, yeah, there are still guys like that. But uh, Dan Campbell is the most genuine human being I've ever covered in any field. I got 10 years of full-time journalist experience across a lot of different beats and stuff like that. But Dan Campbell is uh, the value he has added to the job by just being himself, just being genuine. And now the fact that it's paying off on the field is like, it's a new job, man. I mean, it's a new job. I mean, seriously, the schedule in the Matt Patricia years was coach co- press conference at like 10.30 a.m., sit around for four hours, practice at 2. You go in the locker room about 7 o'clock p.m., oh. empty. Nobody wants to talk to you. I mean, and I know it's like nobody gives a crap about this, but like the Campbell schedule is like streamlined and stuff like that. Like there's thought given into our lives and our jobs. There's an understanding. It's just uh, it's two different worlds. It really is from on the field to behind the scenes to in the locker room to sitting here right now it's a new brand new job (laughs) and in terms of the the dan campbell you know lineage and whatnot i mean this is year three and they went from you know the basically the the brink of hell before they hired him um and then you know moving off of matthew stafford and bringing in jared goff and going 313 and one in that first season to now nfc north champions in year three it is uh it's tremendous what he's done and what those guys have done um, and I've talked a lot about 
the, this uh, this crew that they that they assembled in the offseason, mostly of young guys, whether it's been Brian Branch or Sam Laporta or Jameer Gibbs. Um, but talk to me just about you know the the offense uh, first and foremost with you know establishing the run game and getting Laporta involved with you know it's not just the Amon Ross St. Brown show and it hasn't been this year and that has felt like you know that balance that they have in the run game and the pass game uh, has felt like what has really driven them this year. No, absolutely. You mentioned Sam Laporta. I mean, hey, Hawkinson is a heck of a tight end. He's a heck of a football player, but that contract that he got compared to the contract that Sam Laporta is playing on for the next four years right now and the production they're getting out of him. I mean, that's just one of several Brad Holmes masterclasses. I mean, seriously, I mean, yeah, the Rams won a Super Bowl with Stafford. They're the winners of that trade, but like, that like helped set the foundation for this thing. Brad Holmes and Van Campbell believed that Jared Goff could be their guy, could be this team's guy. They believed in that. They bought into that. They built it the right way. I mean, the offensive line is the cornerstone. I mean, you saw the success that DeAndre Swift had in spurts. You saw the success that Jamal Williams had. Led the NFL in touchdowns last year. He doesn't have a touchdown this year, not one. And it's just they upgraded their backfield. David Montgomery is – Dude, if Dan Campbell could create a running back in a chamber, it would be David Montgomery. Like, like seriously, they love that guy. I love watching that guy. Like, and I remember I, I, when they first when they first signed him and let Williams walk. Everybody's like, "What the hell are they doing? Like letting Jamal Williams walk to 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 New Orleans and bringing you know David Montgomery from the rival Bears? He has been a godsend and a touchdown machine." Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was the elusiveness. It was the ability after first contact. You know, Jamal Williams was so important for this team last year, their stretch they made last year, but he had a breakout season from inside the two-yard line. That's mm. going to happen behind an offensive line like that. I think Jamal Williams is a really good back. I still think he's underrated. When healthy, when getting the rock, but like it didn't take too long to realize why they made that move when you started looking into it. And then the first game happens, and you're like, oh, my God, like this is – this is workhorse from anywhere on the field, Jamal Williams. And then they go out and they add Jameer Gibbs. They basically restart the Swift rookie contract with a guy they felt was more explosive, more durable, more reliable, and a better fit for their locker room. And they hit all four points on that. And I know that there was a lot of people talking about Jameer Gibbs' usage in like the first portion of the year. Um, and then Montgomery goes down with injury. And then Gibbs has that breakout game at home against Vegas coming off a loss where he runs for like a billion yards and a bunch of touchdowns and everything. Um, and it just seems like they are so much deeper at the skill positions than anybody originally thought coming in. Um, but defensively that has been, uh, that unit has uh, just impressed so much compared to last year where they were, where they were at the bottom of the league in so many different categories. Um, you know, I talked about him really. Brian Branch has been fantastic. Uh, all of the uh, additions that they made in the secondary, a lot of a few of them got hurt. Like we saw Gardner Johnson dealing with injury uh, that, that he sustained uh, earlier in the year. Uh, Manuel Mosley, the same same thing. But they've had so many guys, especially in the front seven, step up where you know they've they've helped carry that load of those missing guys. Yeah, no, it was that's been an interesting conversation around these parts because I don't know if it's leaked into the national conversation or even under your radar, but like there's a like large section of Lions fans that like complain about Aaron Glenn that like fire AG, fire AG, mm -hmm. and it's like, are you bleeping mad? Like the personnel he's had, the personnel he has this year, this is like the same defense they had last year because the two big holes they tried to fill, like you said, Mosley tears his other ACL two snaps into his tenure. 
in Detroit. CD Deuce, CJ Gardner Johnson goes down in game two. Sounds like he's going to be back. I don't think it'll be this weekend. I think it'll be next weekend. But those were the two biggest holes in that defense. And those guys have been gone. The fact that Aaron Glenn has found pieces, people harp on him for not making adjustments or anything. If Atu Melifon has been reinserted into the starting lineup for three weeks now, they switched him from safety to cornerback. He's the NFC Defensive Player of the Week in start three at safety. He's got two sacks last week. He gets the game-clinching interception on a read on Justin Jefferson in the red zone that clinches their first freaking division title in 30 years. He had a sack the week before. It's just they found pieces. They trusted their guys because they always said with Melifon, it's just durability. If we get him on his feet, we get him moving forward, that's going to be a guy. And that's what you're seeing right now. And then, I mean, people are down on Aiden Hutchinson's sack numbers, but it's like I think he's third or fourth in the league in pressures. I mean, he didn't have a tackle or a sack last week, but – he had seven pressures and four quarterback hits, including the pressure that kind of forced Mullins up into the pocket to throw one of those interceptions in the fourth quarter. So it's like the pieces that they've brought in here and the pieces that are standing on two feet and proving to be durable and getting chances are, are improving. They're getting better. I mean, Hutchinson's a stud. Aline McNeil, before he sprained his knee, knee, was playing like one of the five best interior defenders in the game. That's a year three guy. Those are guys that have been – drafted by this regime and coaching staff and developed and they're starting the show and i just if any lions fans that tweeted a fire ag thing i'm speaking to you man this guy's a good coach these players believe in him he is making adjustments it's just the personnel on defense has not caught up to where the personnel is offensive is that just because of some of the injuries the two spots they tried to fill were immediately gone and you're looking at the same secondary it was last year for the most part they moved some pieces around. They got better results. And I, I just think people need to chill on Aaron Glenn. I think he he has the ability to be a pretty great defensive coordinator, and I think he's going to continue to get head coaching interviews around the league. I, I really believe in this guy. I've really kind of gone to bat for him and taken a lot of crappy emails going to bat for this guy, being called a homer and stuff like that. But it's just like I see it. Like I really do see it. I talk to those guys in the locker room. It's like that's real. It's genuine. So it's just the thing about this defense is – for them to win the division and make the playoffs, we said it just had to be league average. And that's what it's been. It's been great against the run. It's been up and down against the pass. It's right in the middle. So let's talk about the Lions in comparison to the other top teams in the NFC right now. Because right now, if they were to face Dallas, I think that they could absolutely hang with the Cowboys. If they were to face, I mean, the 49ers just look very human against a Baltimore Ravens defense that uh, had what, four interceptions on the night, three interceptions on the night against Brock Purdy. Um, Philadelphia hasn't looked like themselves really all season. Uh, it's been, you know, they were winning and that kind of made up for, you know, the, the lack of explosiveness that we saw last year. But now that, you know, we've seen them kind of hit this, you know, this month long bump where it's been up and down, it seems that there's a little bit of a uh, internal fracture there. Um, in terms of all of these teams, you know, I mean, compare, you know, how much you would like Detroit, you know, let's say if they face the Eagles in the playoffs, if they face the 49ers, if they face, if they face Dallas, uh, how would you feel, uh, uh, with them facing up against the NFC's, NFC's top dogs? The Lions have a good enough offense to hang with anybody. Like I, I fully mm-hmm. believe that. Like I just, the perfect segue. If the, if the defense is playing okay, if the defense is playing average, they can beat anybody because that offense is good enough. <laughs> oh, you hear my dog getting up. I, I do. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like a that's like that's like a, a an occurrence every time that you're on here now. Is that the, the pup just just needs the attention? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're going to find out about the Cowboys here this weekend really soon because the Lions are going to 
<laughs> Give me one second. That's fine. I will. I will riff through this. So, um, there is one real possibility, everybody, that we see the Los Angeles Rams uh, go to Detroit Wild Card Weekend. Should they get this six seed, um, and if Detroit's sitting at the three, even if if the Rams go to, hello, back with your dog. Ben Raven has has returned with his dog. So I was touching on the possibility that Matthew Stafford has a homecoming to Detroit in the wild card round because that is, that is looking very possible right now. And, and the Rams, I mean, right now the Rams and the bills, the two hottest teams in each respective conference. I don't think anybody's lining up to play the Rams right now. No. And I agree with that. I, I want the Rams for purely selfish content reasons. I want all of that. I want the Goff McVay stuff. I want Stafford Stafford's first playoff game at Ford Field to be wearing a different uniform. I don't think people understand how much that's going to like break and conf- not conflict. They're going to be rooting for the Lions all the way. But like yeah. when the Rams made that run to the Super Bowl the other year, there was this weird group of section that like the Detroit Rams. Like they like really own that. Like Stafford really is like a polarizing figure around these parts, and I think that would be a fascinating week. But I'll just say this. The Lions, compared to the Eagles, the 49ers, and the Cowboys, I still they're still clearly in that second tier below those teams because of their holes in the defensive backfield. I know I just praised a lot of those pieces, but the Lions have some serious depth issues at cornerback, and it's really concerning. And, like, Justin Jefferson kept the Vikings in that game mm-hmm. until the final minute. You're going to see A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. You're going to see Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. You're going to see – what C.D. Lamb does to this defense yeah. <laughs> in three days. So, so it's just – and any quarterback resembling anything called dual threat ability is, is going to have a good day against this defense. They really do struggle with the contained stuff. They really do struggle with powerful wide receivers, good wide receivers. So I, I think that's 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 I, – I have them down a notch, but at the same time, like, this offense is good enough to beat anybody. It really is. Like, this offense is good enough to beat anybody. They've already beat – a lot of good teams this year, you know, they go into Kansas city and they beat the chiefs before we knew that they were going to have this weird year that they've had. I mean, this, this game this weekend is like the definition of a measuring stick game. Mm. Cause like, I know this Cowboys team has lost two road games in a row. They haven't freaking lost at home since the season opener last year. Like that's, that's a real crazy. environment. That's the, Tom Brady's bucks were the last mm. team to beat the Cowboys at home. And it's like, that's, that's real. They're going to be honoring Jimmy Johnson at halftime. That place is going to be lit up. Big time. Dak is playing like one of the most aggressive, best quarterbacks in the league. I've been, I, I guess I've been quiet on Michael Parsons this year. I've been looking into this year he's having, and it's like, oh my God, like they have all the things that the Lions kind of struggle with. A freak defensive player. The last time they saw Parsons last year, and they turned the ball over five times against this Cowboys mm. team last year in Dallas. Like Goff had four of those turnovers himself. Parsons forced two fumbles, I'm pretty sure. So it's just, it's a big-time measuring stick game. Like I said, they can beat anybody. That offense is good enough to beat anybody. I think that coaching staff is good enough to beat anybody. But the defensive backfield and just kind of the inability to defend any – I'm not even talking the Lamars or the Justin Fields of the world. Any quarterback resembling dual threat ability. Like this defense makes Geno Smith look like a dual threat quarterback. And it's just <laughs> – so I do have concerns because Jalen Hurts is going to get his against this group. Dak is going to get his against this group. And I just think the 49ers and the Lions – kind of mirror each other in a lot of the ways. But when you start looking in that mirror, you see where the Niners are a lot stronger than the Lions in a lot of spots and stuff like that. So I, I really do think they're tier two, knocking on the door, but I, I do think there's a clear difference between them and those three teams. 
Well, if you want a fun little nugget, uh, my boss over at uh, USA Today Touchdown Wire, Doug Farrar, pointed this out earlier. Uh, all of Jared Goff's interceptions have come off of zone coverage, and the Cowboys play a ton of man. So could be a little bit of a built-in advantage for, for Detroit. They did play, they did zone it up a little bit against uh, Miami some, but a little nugget there from Doug Farrar. Um, I like it. Let's uh let's transition into the big news of the day. Uh, over in Denver, the uh the Broncos benching Russell Wilson. And if you read Jordan Schultz's tweet as like a yeah, follow up report, yeah. <laughs> so, so for anybody who hasn't seen this, basically the Broncos wanted to bench Russell Wilson around midseason, and what happened was the Broncos just kept winning road games and won like what five in a row at one point and so there was optically they could not bench him the big thing in this is that they wanted him to waive his uh injury guarantee money yeah. uh, which is 37 million dollars that would take effect in 2025 um and again they wanted to bench him around the mid-season point denver was struggling i think they were sitting at like one and four two and five uh before they went on that win streak um that would have made sense to bench him then. You know, you could have avoided any sort of bad bad optics, bad PR, but then they kept winning. They got themselves in the playoff picture. There was really no way logistically they could justify benching him. Now, though, even though they're still only a game out of the playoff hunt and whatnot, um, they're coming off an embarrassing loss at home to a bad Patriots team. And uh, I think this is Sean Payton and everybody saying, you will not be here next year. It doesn't matter if we have to cut you post June one, we will eat what I think would be a $39.5 million dead cap if they do it after June 1st. Um, that, yeah, this is, it looks like all signs are pointing to the Russell Wilson being over in Denver. Uh, just your overall thoughts on this whole fiasco. Yeah, I mean, it's done. There's no coming back from this. There's absolutely no coming back from this. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry about that. That's There's okay. no coming back. Like there, there's none. Like you are, you are in the playoff hunt. Technically, whether technically or not, whether you need the two Chiefs to lose out and win out or not, you are in the playoff hunt, mm. and you are benching the quarterback that you just sent your franchise into a decade worth of hell for. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're in the playoff hunt. You're in the playoff hunt. Like th this is a purely financial move. I don't care what reporting comes out. I don't care what gets leaked out of this. This is a purely financial move. And I mean, I don't blame him at all because I'm looking at his contract right now and it's like, holy crap, like a dead cap of 85 million next year. Yeah. Not 85 good. And it's just, you know, while Russ was better this year, he's still, we, we were kidding ourselves. It wasn't, it wasn't the, anything close to what Russell the Wilson numbers, <laughs> The <laughs> numbers definitely make him – like if you only stare at the box where you say, okay, Russell Wilson's having a pretty nice year. Um, but if you look at the on-field product, I mean, there was a lot of eating balls that he might have thrown in years past and got a little bit more aggressive with that led to sacks and you know, punts and whatnot. Um, the interceptions were that I think he's only got eight picks. But you know, just looking at the raw numbers hasn't really told the entire story this year. I think the best example of that would be watching the first Kansas City game um yeah. where because they were um what was the storyline going into that? like he hadn't thrown an interception or something in like a billion passes and like his passer rating on a certain down i can't remember exactly what it was it was something but, stupid like that. but there was like <laughs> a very clear like third and five and he could have tried fitting a ball in a window and he just eats a sack and it was very clear oh he's definitely that felt like he was preserving some numbers there like it hasn't been – it's been better than last year, but the, the bar for that was just so catastrophically low that that isn't really saying much. Yeah. No, I mean, there's just 
there's no bringing him back after this. There's no turning back. There's no talking your way back into this. And it's just, what's the market for Russell Wilson? Like, what? I don't, yeah. like, you know, I mean, he's, yeah, he That's has some thing. flashes this season, but like, he's not the same guy. He's not a franchise guy that you're mortgaging your future for. That happened two years ago. Mm. That's so crazy to me. I, and, um, I, I kind of have, I, I think it's probably because I cover Dan Campbell that I do have like an over arching belief in Sean Payton getting that crap together over there. So I am a little, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I think that's him saying like, there's no way we can win with this right now. Like this is going to like, it already is like an anchor on their franchise and yeah. roster management. It's like, let's just cut the tie now. This is my first year, year two, figure it out. I mean, I know they have like no freaking draft capital because of that. Yeah. And just, ah, it's a mess, man. Too. Because I mean, Jared Stidham, what the hell? What, how is <laughs> you can't just come out and say it's financial? I know Sean Payton hinted to that, like, yeah, there's some of that financial stuff in there too. That's just incident. no, man. This is a financial decision. Own your bullshit. <laughs> Very similar to what the Raiders did last year, oddly enough, benching Derek Carr for Jared Stidham as well, where it was basically <laughs> saying, okay, we can't risk you getting hurt, so we're just gonna, you know, we're gonna put you on the bench and you, know, you can go home if you'd like, but we're gonna play Jared Stidham, and that's what it is. Um, oh, it's, it is a very, no, the, the Broncos are in a space where, I mean, they got that Walmart money, so I don't, and their owners don't mind spending as, as we've, as they've proven really. Um, yeah. but he signed an extension upon being traded there. It was, it was like a five year, 200 some million dollar extension. He's not going to play a down on it, which is crazy. Um, but Hey, that's, that's what happens, I guess. And I mean, we saw. Two of maybe the worst trades in NFL history happen in the same week with the Deshaun Watson trade and the Russell Wilson trade. That's crazy. Ooh, Absolutely yeah. crazy. Yeah. So crazy. So I see the Broncos do at least have their own first round pick this year. I mean, maybe that's they can good. finally trade Jared Judy in that first rounder to move up and get a quarterback. I was gonna say, maybe that's what they do. They you know, if you try to move up with Arizona, give them Jerry Judy in your first, see if you can snag a Jaden Daniels or a Drake May, depending on uh how the board yeah. falls. I think that that's probably the best move that they can make right now. Uh, is trying to, especially if uh, if Arizona's content with Kyler Murray. I don't know if they are. I mean, the uh, the head coach and GM did not draft Kyler Murray. Maybe they decide that they want their own guy. Um, but if they do decide that Kyler Murray is the quarterback for 2024, uh, Arizona's the the team I'm circling in terms of okay, if I give them a weapon, if I give them some draft capital. Let's try to move up to three or two or four, whatever the hell it's going to be when the season's done, and try to get a quarterback because. Like I saw somebody say, what about Kirk Cousins? I don't know if they're going to have the money for that because of the of all this uh, the the Russell Wilson contract and how it's going to affect their cap space. So it feels like they're going to try to build for the future um, and start anew. And you know, getting a quarterback on a rookie contract who can play that's that's the best way you can do it. I was just going to say, I mean, if, if even if they get QB three, if it's Jaden Daniels or whoever they see as QB three, yeah. like on that rookie contract, that's a better situation than working with right now. And, Bringing up the Cardinals and Kyler Murray, I just had the hilarious thought that'll never happen of Kyler Murray playing for Sean Payton. Dude, that, <laughs> talk about oil and water. Like, that's just not happening ever. That would be a lot of fun. <laughs> that is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That is never, ever taking place. Goodness gracious. Kyler's um, a wild card. interesting. Kyler's, yeah. I I mean, I would happily so take him on the Steelers. I'd happily. Yeah, there's plenty of teams that would happily take him right now, and the Steelers should be one of them. Um, How do you feel about Russ in Pittsburgh? 
no, I don't need that. Like, that's I'm good on that. Um, I don't know. That's the thing. Like, where is he going to go? They aren't going to trade him because nobody's going to take that contract. Like, who? Where? Where is he going? Like, I, at the top of my head, I can't think of like Atlanta. I don't think that that would be a fit with the offense. Other, I think Arthur Smith is probably going to be gone, but I don't think you go to Atlanta. Washington. <sighs> Gross. Ugh, yeah. Under new ownership and whatnot, that could be a lot better, though. I think that you know Josh Harris and everybody has that. You know, yeah, the right I mean, we've seen Russ, man. We know what Russ is capable of. I mean, I know he's older. I know he's been through some weird stuff and some personality changes and stuff like that. Sure. There's still a smart, talented veteran quarterback in there that's played on some of the biggest stages and won and looked good doing it. So uh, it's yeah. an interesting case. It's an interesting case. What if they? Uh, what if the Jets are like, all right, we'll have Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson? What is? <laughs> That was completely satirical. Don't worry for anybody like punching oh, air. Yeah. But, yeah. I, but just for the memes, <laughs> that would be the most meme worthy, completely opposite human being quarterback room that there's ever been. It'd be great. Yeah. I know. I, the Aaron Rodgers stuff, I'm completely done with it and annoyed by it. But I'm just like, is he seriously oh, yeah. going to come back freaking Jets next year? Like, this is so crazy. It's so fascinating to me. <laughs> All, all of it, like when you get to this point and you look forward to like the off-season storylines, they're always fun. Um, but let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the MVP race because it is now seems to now be like a two dog race to most people where it's either Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. I mean, the Ravens have the number one seed right now. He's been the biggest difference maker, maybe of anybody around the league, or. It could be Josh Allen and Buffalo. Um, the only thing going against Josh Allen right now is that his team's nine and six. However, you know, if Buffalo wins out, if they win the AFC East, you look at Josh Allen's numbers right now, man, they are ungodly good. I would have a hard time in that situation not giving it to Josh Allen. Um, and not only because he, by the way, I acknowledge my Josh Allen bias in this. Like, he's my favorite player. Bill's Mafia has adopted me as their own, and it's very kind. But. You know, if you look at the numbers of both Jackson and Allen, Allen's got 16 more touchdowns than Jackson does in terms of total touchdowns. And mm -hmm. I understand I'll, I'll, you know, throw the context in with that Gus Edwards and Justice Hill have both been touchdown vultures from inside the 10. Like those are touchdowns that in the Greg Roman offense, Lamar Jackson gets and not those two. I get that. Um, and I wouldn't be angry if Lamar Jackson got it like both of these guys I feel like are very deserving I'm just saying if I had to pick one that I think is the MVP right now it would be Josh over Lamar it's a hard conversation because I am so ready for a non-quarterback to win this award and I just don't think it's ever gonna freaking happen I just I think that AP is probably gonna be the last one we ever see yeah I think so too because it's like the Christian McCaffrey talk just feels like like a consolation discussion because it's like everybody knows it's going to go to one of the quarterbacks. Right. I mean, it's, it feels like it's going to be Lamar, Josh, or Tua, to be completely honest with you. Those are the three that come oh, to mind. You throw, you're throwing Tua in there too then? I will throw Tua in the conversation just because I felt so strongly about Tyreek Hill belonging in the conversation about okay. four weeks ago. And I just think that Tua, dude, he's, 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 he's really won me over. Like I, I was very iffy and on the fence about Tua. I was, I wasn't as hardcore about it as some people, but I'm just like, he had a couple of You got to see him live last year. Yeah, in a shootout that was just unbelievably crazy. And I just think the things that he is doing in that offense are legit. I, I, God, I lean Lamar. I do lean Lamar for the MVP. 
Because I think the stats, the stats are obviously a lot different. But like you said, freaking Gus Edwards, man, that's like, like that's unbelievable. What him and Hill and some of those right. other backs have been able to do. I just the growth of Lamar Jackson, like seriously, this this offense under Munkin and like what Lamar has done in it as a quarterback in the pocket under pressure down the field. In the first, really in the first year. And the first year of the offense, too. Like, this, you know, I think a lot of people, myself included, expected this offense to take some time. Nah, man. Like, he, (laughs) the Ravens have been really good all year and they've been really good offensively. And um, seeing him grow as a passer from year one as a full time starter to now, I mean, it's night and day. And he deserves all the credit in the world for that. I mean, that Ravens team is the only team that made the Lions look like jokes this year. And that was like yeah. some of the most perfect quarterback play I've legit like ever seen in my life against like while covering the Lions. It was like, my God, like this is exactly what this offense was supposed to look like. And it's all him, man. Like he's completely it's not easy. Like he's already a world beater. What he was, he's already an MVP. Right. Like the growth he has shown as an experienced quarterback while just being 26 still is just He's, he's a super freak, and I really think that what he's done this year, changing his game a little bit, adapting that offense, that, that's that's MVP-type stuff. And I think the Ravens – and it's not even them being the powerhouse that they are right now for me. Like, put two more losses on their resume, and I still feel the same way. Like, it's just a little easier to call for Lamar when the Ravens are rolling and beating the Niners right. down when they are. But it's just like – I look at him, and I'm like, that's the biggest game-changer in the league this year, Lamar Jackson. Like, that, that guy in this offense – being able to throw the way he is while still being himself, like that's stupid. Like that, that's a cheat code. And you look at how both he and Josh are like what they're doing with what they have around them. Like it's not exact they don't exactly have the 27 Yankees <laughs> as their uh, like as their supporting cast. This isn't the 07 Patriots that they're rolling out there. Like, like outside of Zay Flowers for Lamar, it's Rashad Bateman, who's always hurt and hasn't even come close to living up to being a, a first round pick. It's Nelson Aguilar. It's <laughs> Mark Andrews is, has been hurt for the last month as well. So like he's doing it with Isaiah Likely as his tight end. We mentioned the running backs. Like I don't think anybody's laying awake at night. Like, how in God's name are we going to stop Gus Edwards? Like <laughs> everything runs through eight on that offense. Same way that it runs for 17 for the Bills. Like Stefan Diggs for the past like month has been largely like I'm not going to say a non-factor because obviously defenses are going to be like, okay, we're going to take away 14 and make somebody else beat us. The only problem is that James Cook has come alive and yeah. helped and, and helped them a lot. But you look at the other receivers that they have, Gabe Davis. I, I saw it on, I saw it on Twitter. He's a fascinating player. He's <laughs> a... <laughs> I saw I saw on Twitter somebody referred to Gabe Davis as a period because he only shows up once a month, and I laughed really hard. I didn't say it, but I'm just saying what somebody else said because it was really funny. But yeah, yeah, I think that's the best. He's a fascinating player. <laughs> I mean, seriously though, 105 yards, blank, blank, 130 yards. Like what? Like he's literally. Boomer bust, like he's unbelievable. Like he is owning Gabe Davis in fantasy is like it's a nightmare. (laughs) Like this dude could go off for thirty-five points, like or he could get shot out. Like it's just crazy, crazy. Well, George Pickens in him. (laughs) The definition of boomer bust. He's either going for eight catches and a buck forty with two touchdowns, or he's not getting a catch. I think there's like five games this year where he has one or zero catches. He just doesn't show up. He's just he's getting cardio 
in for forever long the Bills have the ball. And it's hilarious. And outside of Gabe Davis, like it's you know Deontay Hardy, Khalil Shakir, Trent Sherfield, like none of these guys on either the Ravens or Bills offense is is a world beater. You know, we point out Diggs and we point out Mark Andrews, but both of them have had their struggles for different reasons. I don't think, I think I saw a stat. Stefan Diggs hasn't had a hundred yard receiving game in like seven games, almost two months. So yeah, it's, wow, uh, yeah. he started off really hot. Um, and then he's cooled off ever since, but, uh, the ability for Josh to, I don't know. I keep making my case for Josh Allen. Um, but you know, Changing offensive coordinators in the middle of the year and going to Joe Brady, I think, was an absolute godsend for the Bills because of what he's done schematically and utilizing the middle of the field and just getting creative with his play calls. Um, that has definitely helped them out in a big way. Embracing the run game more has certainly helped them out. Um, against Dallas, Allen only threw the ball 15 times and had seven completions because they ran for 200-some yards against Dallas. So um, both of these guys have obviously that dual threat in them. And are two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I would not be against either of them winning. If I had to pick one, I would pick Josh Allen, but in no way, shape, or form would I you know, be shaking my fist if they give it to Lamar Jackson because you know, both of them have been great. And uh, I would love a Bills-Ravens AFC Championship game. Sign me up. I'm in. No, for sure. For sure. And I'm with you, too, about Lamar. Like, if it's Josh, it's like, yeah, the TD production's there. He's right. got, like, 15 freaking rushing touchdowns. He's got up-and-down production with his receivers while – Getting like like Lamar and likely getting a crap ton out of a young tight end or something like that. But yeah, it's just uh, I will say this: if McCaffrey scores like eight touchdowns over these next two weeks, I want to see his name get a little higher. <laughs> I hope he does. You know what? Let's make it more interesting. I want to see Tyreek Hill have three hundred receiving yards in the next two games. Um, just crack two thousand, make this a little bit more interesting. And uh, and in that case, like if if Tyreek does somehow get to two thousand, or if CMC does do what you just you know get touchdowns in two weeks and they still give it to a quarterback then i think that we might as well just stop including other players ever in yeah. the MVP conversation make it a different award if it's just going to be the quarterback award like we all understand that it's the game's most significant position nothing holds a candle the importance of a great franchise quarterback we get it we get it rechange the name or like best quarterback like i don't know yeah. man it just is like there's got to be something. I think the closest thing that they do to that is like they have the MVP and then they have like the offensive player of the year. So, like, it's still there, I guess. But I do understand. <laughs> yes, yes. It's still, yes. That is fair. But regardless, yeah, no, I, I get it. Um, but regardless, um, going into this weekend, uh, two weeks left. Uh, in terms of, you know, until we get to the playoff picture. If you had to guess right now, who is Detroit hosting uh, to kick off wildcard weekend? Rams, man. Destiny. It's destiny. <laughs> Stafford and those Rams are coming to Ford Field, man. It's happening. It, it feels it feels, it feels, feels real. It feels like it's going to happen. We'll see. You know, the Lions can obviously get to the two seed. They still have an outside, way outside shot at the one seed, so they're still playing for something. But, uh, right. I mean, we're all like, holy crap, this is happening. Like, it's, like we're all on the Lions beat. Like, this is happening. Like, it's going to be oh. the Rams. Like, it's going to be the freaking Rams, man. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's Bring fascinating it if it does happen, too, just because, like, obviously, Cup and Nakua are great. That offense has been in sync all year. Stafford's playing like a top-five quarterback right now. I would, I would be seated for it. I think that would be the game of the weekend. <laughs> hey, man, I mean, what are – Where's Matthew Stafford in this MVP debate? Like, not even joking around the way he's been playing down the stretch. I mean, For the past God, month he's... and a half, he's easily Ooh. been a top five quarterback in football. He's been great. 
I mean, they're nowhere without him. Like, seriously, I know they got a lot of pieces, but, like, what he has been able to – I know Puka's talented. He's a perfect fit there. But what he's been able to get out of him while feeding him the way he's been feeding him, and then Cup comes right back in after the freaky hamstring deal. Like, the stuff that Stafford's doing out there this year, I mean, that's that's why you trade two first-round picks for a guy like that. And it's yeah. just like he's got to be in that top five conversation for an MVP. And it's like as, as great as golf has played his time this year, you look over at Stafford and you're like – this is what we were talking about. Like this mm. is a guy that can win a game with his arm. This is a guy that you have to perfectly build an offense around who can play and do great moments and stuff like that. But he's not. See, there, there was this throw from Stafford a couple weeks ago. That lobber when he had like pressure instantly in the face and just like flung. He's just the way he's playing right now. It would be really fun to see full on healthy gunslinger Matthew Stafford come into Ford Field in a different uniform in a freaking playoff game. <laughs> I'm all for it, man. I, I'm here for the chaos. Um, and like I said, I think that would be the game of the weekend just because of you know the storyline going into it. And both teams are great, obviously. Um, it would be a lot of It'd fun. It would be Monday night at 8.15. <laughs> I, hate that the, I hate that there's a Monday night playoff game now. I don't know how you feel about it. I hate it. I'm so freaking tired of primetime games. I've never <laughs> – I'm so tired, man. I'm so tired. And I'm just like, like six primetime games this year for the Lions. Like, last year we lived in the 1 p.m. Sunday slot on the Lions beat. Like, we miss our 1 p.m. Sunday slot. But, hey, it's exciting. It's fun. But, like, man, it's been a ride. <laughs> I'm sure it has been. Like, I mean, we kicked off the show with it. You know, going from year two of Matt Patricia to now Dan Campbell and the boys, Stone Cold Dan Campbell and the boys with uh <laughs> going to possibly the number three seed in the nfc it's uh it's exciting stuff will uh will i be seeing you next month in mobile hey that's depending on the lions right now oh that's uh, yeah you know what that is i i didn't even take that in, into consideration yeah we, we we had cursory conversations about that at uh, my company today and if 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 I'm free and able to go, I'm ninety two percent sure it'll be me. So <laughs> I hope so. I was gonna bring that up too, like, hey, I might be covering a playoff team and have some bigger stuff going on. Right, so, right. But I, I want to be back in Mobile so bad. Like that having the first year jitters and the experience under my belt now, like I mm. like I'd love to get back and have a little more fun and stuff like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, if I don't see you in Mobile, I'll see you in Indy at least for the uh, yes. for the combine. So. Back at home. <laughs> yes yes absolutely it'll be a lot of fun um well regardless uh we will do this before the playoffs are over um before hopefully wild card weekend we'll see we'll play we'll play the schematics game and see what happens but i always love talking to you buddy i always appreciate you coming on love you dearly and we'll do this again soon man i love and miss you too man i hate i hate this i think i've seen you like three times virtually in like six months i know no we're uh we need to fix that we'll make sure like i said playoff time you will be a fixture here, and we'll talk nothing but Lions and Matthew Stafford piss missiles. It'll be a good time. But uh, I, appre I appreciate you coming on. What'd you say? I got. I got. I was the last winner of the most recent trivia bowl, so I'm ready for that season to come back around. Yeah, don't worry. Once uh, once we hit the off season, like the week after Super Bowl week, that's uh, I'll queue it up. Don't worry. But appreciate you being here. Appreciate everybody for tuning in to the Pump Fake. We'll be back later on in this week to preview Week 17. Two weeks left in the regular season. It's coming down to the wire for both conferences in terms of the playoff races. So we'll get that all covered starting this weekend ahead of Week 17. Join us then for the Pump Fake. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.